And we have with us uh, Dr. Ralph Ford, Ph.D. He's the chancellor of Penn State Barron. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So, okay, this is a family show, so we like to find out origin stories. Where'd you grow up? How'd you get to Erie? Sure. I let, you know, my story is uh, I'm not a native Erieite, although I've been here 25 years now or close to it. And I've lived in Erie longer than anywhere else, but I like to tell the story. I lived uh, in Tucson, Arizona five years before I came here, although in fairness, uh, I grew up in upstate New York. So coming back to Erie weather-wise, culture-wise, uh, made some sense. But I do like to tell this part of the story about how Erie is attractive to people in the community. And my wife and I were living in Tucson, Arizona, and she had a job with a startup, and that startup was moving to, uh, to Silicon Valley area. And I could have easily gotten a job out there. All of my friends were going out there. But we made the choice not to go there. We came here to Erie. We haven't looked back, and it's been a great community for us. It's been a great place for us to work and raise our kids. 25 years, that, that is pretty significant for somebody who's at your level of uh, academia. Yeah, I, the, uh, you know, 25 years, it's hard to believe. It goes by uh, quickly, but I've been fortunate to come to an institution that's been growing and provided a lot of opportunity. And when you look at higher ed, you know, the... The preference often is to hire externally, particularly for, particularly for your leaders, not exclusively, uh, to be sure. So I feel fortunate in that regard. So I started as a junior faculty member, assistant professor, went through the professor ranks, department chair, director of our engineering school, and now for over three years I've been in this position. Beautiful. So, okay, so taking that position from that 30,000-foot view, how, how would you state the state of higher education is here in Erie? So, as everyone knows, I think or is pretty commonly known, we're rich with universities, which is very good for us. We've got uh, five institutions, you know, LECOM being the, the largest medical school, the four colleges, universities, Oskin and uh, Mercyhurst and uh, Edinburgh. So that really provides, uh, you know, a great penetration of, uh, of, of higher ed institutions. So when you look at Pennsylvania, I'll just talk about Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is also very rich in great institutions. So we're fortunate in that regard. And Pennsylvania is a net importer of students. So we get students from neighboring states at a greater rate than we send out. So that's a good thing uh, for the state of Pennsylvania. Where do I, though, where, where are the gaps in the area, I think, is also your question. So while that's true, and we have a lot of four-year graduates, some graduate degrees, uh, when you look at the overall educational attainment in Erie, that is an area where we still have to do work, though. Okay, we we we're we're not as high as the rest of the country in terms of baccalaureates and uh, advanced degrees, and also on the other end, uh, those in the trades and community college and associate degrees, uh, all of which are important across the entire spectrum. So that is an area where to you know keep and attract uh, great employers, you need to have that that workforce or the educated workforce that, that people look at. And not that we're not strong. People in Erie, I, I'll really be you know careful uh, uh, with that statement. What I have found here is uh, very hardworking, very great at making and building things and creative. So there, there's tremendous talent here, uh, but the educational level does matter across the board. 
Yeah, and, and that is something that I, I'm glad to hear that the concern is on the academia side in addition to uh, workforce development and economic development people. But you guys are pretty much embedded in the economic development uh, ecosystem, aren't you? We are, and that that has been our tradition for a long period of time. And I think it derives from Penn State University being what we call a land-grant university Uh don't like to bore people with you know land grants, but I like to. But it is important to understand that we were created by a grant, and this came under the Morrill Act back way back when Abe Lincoln was president. But it was a grand bargain that we'll give you the land to start these universities, and in return, you know, at the time it was agricultural schools, which are still very strong, obviously. But the idea was you have to give back to the economy, to the economic well-being. So that's really strongly in our DNA. It remains so today. Let's talk about where students come from. What is the, uh, get a little inside baseball, what's the marketing footprint of Barron? Yeah, we like to describe it as, you know, uh, about one-third in the Erie area, you know, if you look at four counties here. And then a lot of market penetration in just western Pennsylvania. So another one-third of our students might even be more come from uh, Pittsburgh, greater Pittsburgh area, and the rest of the state. And then a third from everywhere else, so to speak, whether they come from New York State, uh, California, Puerto Rico, around the rest of the world. So our admissions people are traveling everywhere, and that's the way that you, you have you, you, to remain competitive. And it's interesting. You find different niches. It's not as though you just wake up one day and say, okay, we're going to, I don't know, pick a state, Illinois, or whatever. There has to be a good reason as to why a student, you know, what's the value proposition, what are the programs that you have, uh, and that's why people sometimes say, well, why, why California? Well, we have a lot of students who come here uh, because they're attracted to the combination of really strong academics and sports like water polo and swimming and diving, which is very strong in Southern California. Do you um, think that its heritage as being the only four-year school other than State College? Now, I guess there's a couple more in the system, but that's got to help. It does help a lot. You know, we've got two things going for us. As, as what you referred to was that Barron has been a place of firsts, and we, we were very proud of that tradition. And we were the first college that was created outside of University Park. So uh, we like to say, and it's true, we're not a satellite campus, we're not a branch campus, we're Penn State University. And then with that university, we were the first college. Well, what's that mean? So that means we were able to grant four-year and graduate degrees, and that happened back in 1973. And that fueled a lot of growth in the, you know, the subsequent years. That barren reputation for the quality of our programs on top of the Penn State reputation allows us to draw students from a, a large region and to students who want to come here because it's their destination. We're talking to Dr. Ralph Ford. He's the chancellor at Penn State Barron as we talk about higher ed today on the Joel Natale show. Uh, let's take it from the community side. Um, uh, what assets and cooperation do you count on from the community to be attractive to prospective students? A whole host of things. That community relationship between uh, the Penn State uh, uh, Barron and the community is key. And uh, we forged a really good relationship here 
uh, I think across the board from county, but very importantly with our local Harbor Creek Township and the supervisors here in terms of our ability uh, to grow, but to provide a place that is attractive to our students. So what does that, what, what's that, what's that really mean? Well, when they're looking at coming here, obviously the community that they're in is important. They love to see the campus. It's a beautiful place. My plug is anybody who hasn't been here, you need to visit, right? It is a place of great beauty uh, and uh, tremendous infrastructure. But, but beyond that, you know, they need, students want amenities. They would like to go to nice restaurants. They want to be able to travel to Erie. They want to get to the shopping mall. Uh, all of those things are really important to them. And that part is, is very important. A welcoming community where, uh, you know, they can be part of it and be good citizens. And, you know, our students, they go vote. Uh, they're, they're, they're good citizens here, too. So I think it's, you know, it's always something you're working at, but it, it's really important. Well, you scored a John's Wildwood pizza. I'd say that the that, that's a big help. <laughs> that you know that was, uh, geez, having Erie Brewing Company and and uh, John Wilds move move there was uh, just just a great uh, addition to you know it's right on the edge of campus. It's mm-hmm. it's the, the edge of our knowledge park. And, yeah, they seem to be, you know, I'm not their business manager, but every time I go by, uh, they look like they're doing pretty well, and I've been known to be seen there myself. (laughs) One more question before we take a break. Uh, Let's talk about economic development. Uh, Through Knowledge Park, Penn State Barron generates jobs while providing exciting opportunities for students. Now, how would you describe the mission of the university in regards to economic development? You kind of touched on that already. I did, right? And uh, so Knowledge Park is a a very large investment by the university that started in uh, 98 in economic development and uh, continues to grow for us. What exactly is Knowledge Park? So let me step back. It is a business park, a technology and business park. That is closely connected and more and more integrated with campus. And I think that's a lesson we've learned through this philosophy we call open laboratory learning. What we are able to do through that is to attract companies and businesses that want, obviously, a good space. They want to be in Erie, Pennsylvania. But most, very importantly, they want to be located next to the university. number of reasons why a company wants to do that. Biggest one is what we talked about before. It is all about the talent, right? They want to have access to hiring students. Uh, They want to see them before they graduate. They would like to be hiring our graduates. They would like to be close to our faculty and and our research, and that's an increasing part of the mission. So not only do they want to hire those students, they want to be able to sponsor projects that help them advance their their mission, uh, help them develop new products, help them explore new markets. Uh, That... That is really important. So, you know, companies in the park, they all have some connection to what we're, what we're doing here on campus. Uh, we're talking to uh, Dr. Ralph Ford. He's a chancellor of Penn State Barron. It is a beautiful campus. I mean, it really, it really sells itself, doesn't it? It does, and that's part of the reason I came here, I must say. The idea that I could hike through the gorges here, uh, it's just a stunning place. And where we're sitting here today is in the Glen Hill Farmhouse, farmhouse which is uh, the historic core of campus. Let's talk uh, uh, some more about Knowledge Park. Again, I would think that the environs are a draw for some of these uh, companies that have become hundreds of miles to drop a branch office here. 
Yeah, let me talk about, I'll, you know, I've got two stories I'd like to talk about. One is a local and one is a, one that's come here to because of uh, the, the location. So SKF Corporation is a multi-billion dollar corporation. And uh, one of our graduates uh, went to work there, helped us build a nice connection. Well, they created, I don't know, four or five years ago now, the... Uh, their first uh, North American uh, research center. I'm sure I've got the, the, the wrong name there, but uh, right here on the campus of Barron, and they're funding a significant amount of research. We've typically got three or four teams working on a variety of problems from computing and computer science type problems and electrical engineering to plastics and materials. And uh, that is one where, yes, they came to us. We had you know numerous visits from their leaders in Europe before we were able to sign that agreement. We have signed with them something known as a master uh, research agreement, which just makes it pretty easy for us to, to execute projects. Another company we're working with, although they're not in the park, at least not yet, Emirates, for example, from Europe, they come here quite regularly to sponsor research. But I also like to talk about our homegrown companies. Process and Data Automation is a quiet company up in Knowledge Park. Uh, when I say quiet, I, I think some people know, but there are probably 40 or 50 uh, people there and growing. And uh, a lot of uh, work in terms of automation and Internet of Things and, and just a tremendous growth pattern for them. And they've been one of our really, you know, the, the two principals are graduates of Barrand. They grew, graduated in the in the 90s, Joe Snyder and Mike Benedict. But uh, they built laboratories up there. And you go up there any given day, you'll see our students working side by side with their engineers. They sponsor senior projects. I think it's probably 80 or 90 percent of their employees are Penn State Barron graduates. And so there's an example where we're, you know, we're We've got a company growing jobs here, growing the economy. They're working on projects not only locally but around around the globe. They're they're you know they're they're real interesting. You know, uh, hearing that story of a homegrown company really thriving uh, here, and you know, taking knowledge workers, uh, you know, from who graduated with their great Penn State degree, it really flies in the face of this narrative that we'll read on social media feeds of the major media companies here of of just you know, lock the keys up, you know, Erie's a dead town. I mean, can you speak to that a little bit? So. Yeah, I, I, you know, the, the we, do, we certainly have a lot of students who, who graduate and, and leave uh, the area. No, no doubt about that, but I don't think that's any different than any engineering school anywhere else, you know, or any large university in, anywhere else in the country. That just tends to be the way that, that, that the operation works, so to speak. Employers come here from around uh, the country, and we're very proud of that fact that we're able to draw them. But to answer your question... There are a lot of opportunities. We do need more. I won't say that we, we don't. And the more that we have, the more people will stay. I mean, let me give you examples. A lot of our computer science and software engineering graduates of late, you know where they're going? They're going to Erie Insurance. They obviously developed some really complex IT systems. We're able to help them uh, prototype some technologies even before the students leave through our senior project experience that we might not otherwise uh, see. Uh, GE and Wabtech, you know, a lot of talk about them in the news. But let's not forget, I think, what? 
1,000 employees there, about 800 of them are engineers and technicians. That's a really significant number not to be overlooked. Uh, we have a company called Cybersonics here in the park that we've worked uh, with, and they have graduates here. We've got, as I said, process and data automation and a growing number of companies. So, no, there, there are jobs here. Uh, we obviously need to have more jobs. There's just no, no doubt about that. And when, if we have more, more people will be attracted here from the outside. You don't have to grow them all here. We need to get people to come in from the outside, and people uh, will stay here, too. What, what's it, what occurs to you as a, as a strong um, uh, selling point for the community? Again, you, you have these high-level conversations. What's a strong selling point for Erie to, um, you know, to be attractive to one of these high-tech firms? Well, the, the the talent pipeline is first and foremost. We're, you know, I like to say, and I don't think it's original, we're, we're, we as a community are in a, a global, oh, I don't know, war is the right word, but it's a global competition for talent. And when you look at the way that the world is going, uh, it is kind of spiky in terms of economic development. A lot of cities are growing. Uh, rural areas are struggling, and a lot of it's driven by the talent. So if you can get a company that you match the right talent supply and the cost of doing business here can be very favorable to them and the location may have some attraction to them based on other companies are here or you're relative to where you are in their supply chain, those are always very favorable. Uh, the community is a really favorable community. It's got a great, uh, you know, quality of living. Those things do matter. We, we have to uh, pull things in. Uh, there's this concept of the beehive. Can you explain it and what's Barron's role in that? Sure. The, the, I'll give you the, the long and uh, full name, which is the Northwestern PA. Uh, innovation beehive network and this is a really great concept that all that four of the region's universities and let me run through them it is Edinburgh it is uh, uh, Gannon University Mercyhurst and Penn State Barron have formed this collaborative network to support entrepreneurs and businesses in the region okay well what in the world does that mean first of all I'll point out this is uh, pretty unprecedented. We've had people visit us from around the country from other universities saying, wow, how, how were you able to do this? And I think it came from a vision. So I will say we were you know, one of the, the originators of this idea. We really felt that if we could bring the universities together and get students and faculty across institutions working on projects, you kind of build the, the infamous I hate to say ecosystem, but when people are talking to each other in ways that they wouldn't otherwise, that's where interesting ideas come out, and you connect that with industry. So that's our whole idea, connect you know, the talent with industry, with opportunity, and provide something that a university can provide. So each of the four universities has built or is in process of building a uh, laboratory or um, you know some some way of connecting with the community it does ultimately come down to physical space and what you're doing there here at Barron we've created something called the innovation commons we're focusing on our strong technical roots and we help people prototype and build things so entrepreneur has an idea 
And by the way, it's not just physical. So while we've got 3D printers there, we've got prototyping machines, we've got you know laser cutters, uh, we have the ability to help you develop software. We have one of the best software engineering programs in the country uh, right here at uh, Barron. So we've helped a number of entrepreneurs who walk through the door, and don't be shy if you're out there and you've got an idea. We'll help you. If we think your idea needs work and you need to go somewhere else, we'll tell you that too. And sometimes you need to hear that. So we'll refer you maybe to the Edinburgh Beehive because you need marketing help. And we've got examples now where a company has been launched, or a startup, and they've gone to two or three nodes in the Beehive network. And at, uh, at Mercyhurst, they do intelligence studies. And at uh, Gannon, they give you uh, business support uh, for your, your project. So we, we, work, we try to have this referral system, uh, and we refer people to the different nodes in the Beehive network. It, so- it sounds innovative, and, and it sounds like it's, it's starting to move the flywheel a little bit. It is. You, you know, we just had uh, some nice press this last week. It was on the, the economic development issue featured quite prominently in the Erie Times News, and we appreciate that. Um, and what we saw there is that, uh, you know, or when you looked at the numbers, you know, we've helped, I think it was three companies start up. That's a pretty good number in uh, the first two years. Just in our note alone, seven patents developed. But it's not all about every com- one being a company because existing companies, by the way, we also want large and small companies. They come to us and, you know, I think it's well over 100 projects we've undertaken and each of those projects has outcome. And uh, right now we're able to fund this through a number of, of uh, funders. The Erie County Gaming Revenue Authority has been really key in this. Penn State University through our Invent Penn State initiative. So working together, we're able to put together funding to keep this going. Uh, and it's, it's important we keep doing that in the long term. I'm down to my last uh, 30 seconds or so. Uh, Dr. Ralph Ford, give your best uh, uh, take on the value of a Penn State Baron education. Several things. I'll make it simple. Three things to think about. One is Penn State degree is known worldwide. Employers look for Penn State graduates. Uh, The other thing I'd like to point out is return on investment. We have among the best in the whole state, meaning you look at the total cost of education, you look how our graduates do when they graduate after they leave here, and it is very favorable in the top 10 in the state of Pennsylvania, top two among publics. You can't beat that, so that's ever important in people's minds. And the third thing is uh, one of the largest alumni networks in the world, and that alumni network really does matter. We want to welcome to the microphone Dr. Scott Miller. He is uh, the Dean of Edinburgh University, Pennsylvania's College of Business, as well as the College of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences. Welcome, Dr. Miller. Thank you. Happy to be here. Okay, you, your, your um, resume is pretty amazing because you are a, an accountant, you have a, a, a PhD, you have a JD, you're an attorney, um, is this is this just you just like to know everything? <laughs> You're a, an omnivore when it comes to knowledge. I would be a I would be a professional student if I could. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know I, I love education and uh, actually I started out was going to be a lawyer and I got the bug was asked to teach in a graduate program when I got to law school loved it and as a result got offered a couple positions to teach full time and said hey this is a great gig I love doing it and from there I said well if I want to be taken seriously in higher ed. I got to get my doctorate. So. Sure. Now you, but your undergrads at G- from Gannon, yes. did you grow up around here? I did. 
I, okay. I grew up in Mill Creek. Okay, so yes. Erie born and bred. Yes. And that's amazing. And yes. uh, uh, got some degrees down in Pittsburgh, and uh, and you went to Harvard at one point, got certificate yes. or something? Uh, yes. I mean, unreal. Uh, all right, well, so I'm asking the right guy the, these questions <laughs> then, because uh, from a 30,000-foot view, how is... Uh, higher education doing in Erie County? I think it's doing well. We've got we've got some really good institutions here that that provide a really good education to different cross sections of the community and meet the needs of the community uh, to the best that we can. And I think we, you know, if you look around and you look at all the professionals in the area, almost all of them came from one of the, those four schools. Uh, now, Edinburgh University of PA began as a normal school, and as recently as the 1970s was known as a teacher's college. So let's talk about generating that next generation of teachers. Uh, are you worried about a shortage of available teachers as a teacher? I, I think we all are. Um, you know, we're experiencing that right now. We're seeing that uh, throughout the country where students are not, uh, they're not moving into education as, as, uh, as a profession. Why do you and think that is? What, I don't know if I, I don't know if they're looking to other other professions. If uh, there's a perception about the the the, the pay scales or, or what it is, I mean, it's a great profession that that gives people a really good um, work life balance. Uh, certainly, they work hard. I know with my daughters, I'm always amazed. We get calls at nine o'clock at night from the teachers, and I just I, I wow. bow to them at the work that they that they do. Uh, and, and, you know, and, th and they earn, they earn a good wage and, uh, you know, they get a lot of really good, uh, self-satisfaction out of it. Yeah. It, the, um, uh, it seems though that there's a lot of mandates and when we had, when we had our day on education and I, uh, my, my nieces are, uh, educators and one's in the Erie district, one's in the Mill Creek district. And there was the, the the word that was there, and they were be, being very kind. But there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot. Uh, I mean, there's a lot there that has nothing to do with you know direct uh, care for children and direct uh, you know uh, imparting of uh, of information and education. Uh, do you think that uh, that the infrastructure of education needs to change? Maybe. I think I think there's certainly things that can be looked at to, to make it a little more efficient for them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I just I, I like to think that people's heart in the right places. I always start with that. I okay. always start with that people's intents are good. And if we look at all this work that they have to put into it, you got to look at it from the perspective of those that put those checklists in place or those those reports in place. Why did they do that? Why do they want that information? And how can we then turn that into a positive to help inform the way that we're teaching in the classroom? Yeah. And to, to improve the education for the student, because that's what it's all about. It's all about turning out students who are learning to their their highest ability. Do you feel that Edinburgh's holding its own with the Department of Education? Oh, they're, the department's doing fantastic. Okay. They're getting they just got they just got another kudos for their graduate program. Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're turning out really good teachers. If you look at it throughout the region, um, you know, a lot of the teachers throughout the region, we certainly have the largest footprint as far as alumni teaching in the region. Uh, and, and outside of the region. Our students are going all over the country, all over the world teaching. And uh, we have great faculty that impart really good uh, work ethic and really good uh, theories into these students and create great leaders. Uh, a lot of our graduates are principals, superintendents, and, and they, they have I'm continually impressed by the acumen they have as a leader and as right. a motivator, not only of the teachers in their schools and in their districts, but of the students. It's interesting. Uh, and last question about teaching. Um, all of many of the Pashi schools 
um, started out as teachers' colleges, right? Correct. But some of them have kind of, well, my daughter's at Slippery Rock. They've really kind of uh, stepped away. Not that they don't have any teachers there, but they're leaning much more into health and uh health sciences and things like that. Uh, I guess it's not a mandate anymore that they have to be primarily for education and then branched out from there. No, no, we are our mission. We are a public regional comprehensive university. And part of that mission is that we are to meet the needs of, of the region in which we are located. You know, the, the, the 14 Poshi schools are spread throughout the state and they sure. each serve a footprint within the state. Certainly we can get students from outside that footprint mm -hmm. uh, and, and outside of the state. But the, our primary goal and what we've been doing at Edinburgh for the last couple of years is really getting our finger on the pulse of what is needed throughout the Erie Crawford region and yeah. what, what, what do employers need from our graduates, what types of jobs are out there? And then we respond and, and create either reorganized programs we have or create new programs to meet those needs so that those students, so the employers get, you know, the, the workforce they need and the students have an opportunity to go on and get a, earn a good living wage and do something that they love. When, when you think about the state system, um, is it, uh, is it a, a net positive uh, as far as the resources and the and the the things that you get from from the the other universities and the system itself, I, I think the system is a great asset to the state. Um, we get the return on investment from to the taxpayer is 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 multiples of what is invested into the system. Uh, it allows students to get a, a an education at at a reasonable price and a very high quality education. We are able, you know, because of. Uh, our structure, we're able to attract really high quality faculty. Uh, we've got faculty in art, for example, that have won Emmy Awards. And, yeah. and as a result, we have a lot of students who've graduated that yeah. have won Emmy Awards. Uh, and, you know, so we really are able to bring in really high quality faculty that not only do great in their creative and scholarly work, but they do a fantastic job imparting the theories onto the students and in motivating those students and those students are leaving and we our placement rates are are out of this world over 95 percent across the university some departments have 100 percent placement yeah. in their students that means that they either have a, a job or they are in graduate school six months out and you know for what students put into it you know the the time and energy they're getting great great return but they're paying far less because the state owns it and it is a great asset to the state because we are an economic engine for the state. No doubt. Uh, Dr. Uh, Scott Miller is with us. He's from Edinburgh University, uh, the College of Business, and, and also the College of Arts, Humanity, and Social Sciences. If you want to have a question for him, 679-1080 is the phone number. Let's talk about something in your business wheelhouse for a second, educational attainment. What role do the four-year schools here in Erie County have in increasing regional edu educational attainment, do you think? Oh, it, I mean, is this your prime directive? Almost, yeah, absolutely. Certainly, okay. for us as the state regional public comprehensive, that is our that is our job is to uh, make sure that all the, you know that the students who want to get a, a higher education and have the have the ability have access to that education. You know, no, as but as as a as a as a Mill Creek uh, as a McDowell Trojan, you think about your classmates, the ones that maybe didn't choose uh, or. What, what astounds me, let me just make an ed, uh, editorial statement here. What astounds me is, is, is a, an 18-year-old uh, young man or woman um, who uh, it, it hits uh, June of their graduating year 
and they don't have a clue of what they want to be about or what they want to do. What can we do about that, Dr. Miller? Well, I I think we need to do a a better job. First, it starts in the household. You know, there needs to be a respect for higher education by the parents, whether the parents have a degree or they don't have a degree. Uh, And we need to give them the tools that they need to help their students. Certainly with the Internet, it's a lot different than when we went to college, when we're relying on we were talking before the show about, you know, the mail coming in and we're we're going through all these brochures from schools we've never heard of, from towns we've never heard of, from states we've never stepped foot in. Uh, And now they're much more sophisticated in the way they target these students. But they need to know how to do the research, how to look at, you know, how does the school do as far as its placement rates is, is when the students are done, are they going on to graduate school or getting a job? Uh, you know, how, how is the school doing as far as its cost? One thing that I, you know, I ran our admissions uh, department for a while and I'd had a lot of conversations with parents trying to get them to understand the concept of net cost because Mm -hmm. the cost of higher ed is very confusing to a lot of people. When you look at it, you see this big, huge sticker price and you see this, all these scholarships and discounts and then you come up with a net price and sometimes you don't know. Some of that loan is some of that really grants is some of it is some of its scholarships. How much of it is actually coming out of my pocket now or in the future? Mm-hmm. And and then we need to do a better job explaining to our kids the cost benefit of, OK, if you're going to choose option A, you're going to have this much in loans and this is what your payment's going to be. If you choose option B, you're going to have little to no loans and then you're, your payment's going to be zero or, or very minimal. And in either case, it, it's a classic giver's gain. If you put in the effort you're going to get out of it the same outcome, which is a good quality education. Do you just think that we need to have more of that conversation that, and that will, you know, kind of float all the boats, if you will, if we can, if we can raise the tide of just saying, you know what, 12, 12 years of school is not going to do it. You're going to need to at least have trade education or four-year degree or an associate's degree or what have you to just, you know, kind of raise the educational attainment of our community to, to the degree that the students have the passion, the desire and the ability to do it, uh, you know, because we need we need those trades and they can get those trades going in high school. If they yeah. go if they go to the county vote tech, they can get they can get those trades. And for some of those students, it works out very well. Uh, and some of the trades are very well paid. Yeah. Uh, you know, but others want to have that intellectual uh, invigoration and they want to go to, you know, and in higher ed is more than, you know, Right now, this generation, Generation Z, wants a job at the end of college. That's what they're focused on. They're very focused on what do I get out of what I'm putting into it, right? So our challenge is to get them to understand that we're, we're going to do that for you. We will absolutely get you that job or get you into that grad school, but there's more to it than just that education. There's the, the education of the whole person. There's the things that happen outside of the classroom. There's the things that happen in the gymnasium. There's the things that happen in the student center. The things are just happening in the residence halls that are helping form you as, as a young adult into a mature person who is not only giving value to your career and to your profession, but giving value back to the community. Is there any more we can add to your plate, Dr. Miller? <laughs> I, I, I think the plate's pretty full. <laughs> and uh, we're talking about the, the state of higher education here and uh, kind of a more generalist conversation today. But I tell you what, um, you know, it does. It, this topic kind of blends into a lot of different things. It blends into, you know, educational attainment and, you know, how even how we parent our kids. It blends into uh, economic development because, you know, there is these. There's, there, these universities are economic engines. I think about, uh, you know, how 
in integral, the you know the Edinburgh University is in the life of not only the borough of Edinburgh but the entire region. You know whether it is you know artistic uh, performances or you know or just as a job creator or you know. Uh, uh, let's let's keep let's keep going here. Edinburgh has the lowest tuition of the four universities. Although you could still leave a school like Edinburgh with debt twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. How do you think we can make college more affordable? What are some some tactics that we can do? Well, I think I think planning ahead. Uh, one of the things that we're doing at Edinburgh is we're really we've, we've got a, a course. In, in personal financial planning that a lot of students and a lot of our faculty are encouraging students across the university to take. It's offered out of the School of Business from our professional our personal financial planning program. And, you know, I think educating students on managing their own finances and understanding what they're getting into. Yeah. You know, do you really want to take out a loan to pay for that self to get to get a new updated cell phone and you're going to pay interest on that loan for 10, 20, 30 years, depending on if you go to grad school, your loan gets big enough, you might be paying for 30 years. Uh, so we're really worried at Edinburgh about making sure that the students are not taking out too much and not being too irresponsible with with their funds. And our students are very conscientious about that. Uh, we have we have a fairly low debt for our students. Uh, and, you know, our, our as you say, our tuition is low, but we're not cheap. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, and I say that not to say, you know, that's not a defensive statement. It, it's, we have a very high quality education for the price that we charge. And that's a result of being part of the Commonwealth, mm-hmm. uh, being this, the Commonwealth's property. We are the, we are the Commonwealth school, you know, now that support has kind of gone down quite a bit yes. uh, over the course of 10, 20 years, right? It has gone down pretty substantially, but you know, fully a quarter of our funding is coming from the state. And, you know, that's directly subsidizing students, uh, students' education, in addition to the over $5 million of institutional aid that we're giving every year to our students to help defray those costs even further. Now, there's been some major changes at Edinburgh. You know, you've had a change in leadership. Uh, you also changed, at least in the, in the press, has talked about admission standards. Can you tell us what the latest is with all of that? Oh, thing, things are going fantastic. Uh, uh, our admission standards have increased over the last couple of years, but as a result of that, our retention rate has increased over seven points, uh, which is huge. We were, we were, our retention was respectable. It was, it was, uh, it was what you would expect from a school of our type, uh, our size and our, in, in a regional public comprehensive. However, uh, we, we felt that it was our duty to make sure these students that start the education are finishing it. They need to leave with something. We don't want them yeah. leaving with, with just having paid a bill. We want them to leave with a degree. And we have increased that, that retention rate substantially, and we're on track to increase it again this year. So we're really proud of that. We're proud of the work that our students and our faculty are doing to, to, do, to accomplish that. Uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of kudos for our programs and our awards. Our, our cinema and animation program is ranked number 13 in the nation. Our, our program is national. Is can, you see, can you see a possibility of a, either a studio or an animation studio yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about this innovation district that is happening mm-hmm. in town. And, and again, uh, we just talked about innovation here on the program last Friday. And uh, like, it would be so cool if, if one of your grads uh, could lay down roots in this and get some synergy uh, within uh, you know, Erie. Yeah, uh, and we have that happening already. We, okay. we, our grads have to have studios in town. And, uh, and they're, you know, they're doing it for advertising. They're doing yeah. it for other things. They also have the ability to, to contract out and do work for studios in California. With technology the way it is, there's no reason that we should not have a full-blown studio in Erie that is serving 
the California market. Right. And, and they should love it because we know cost of living in California is far higher than it is here. And they could, they could, you know, s- split the salary down the middle, but in the difference, somebody could live, live very well here and love what they do and be serving them. And they're happy as a clam because we can do it at, at a much more economical fashion. Terrific. Um, uh, t- talk about the, the, the presidential search. That's a national search right now. It is a national search. It's going, it just uh, launched a few weeks ago. Uh, we've already got a lot of interest from around the country. Uh, the, I heard this morning the search firm already has applications and is working with uh, you know, dozens of uh, potential no- uh, candidates that were nominated by various people throughout the, you know, certainly from the region, but from outside the region as well. People see the ads. I, I was at a conference last week, and several people came up to me and said, hey, I got this email. Can you tell me more about Edinburgh? It looks really interesting. I'm, I'm really excited about what I'm seeing going on there, and I think it would be interesting. So we had great conversations, and you know, I encouraged them all to consider it. we got about two minutes left. Can you give your best... Uh uh, you know, take on uh, the value of an Edinburgh University education? Well, we take students, we take students who want to roll up their sleeves and want to work hard to, to get to, to get good value out of their education. And we work with them to do just that. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy to take a student who's high, who's high performing and make them a high performing success in, in their career. And we do that every day. But we also take those students that, you know, they okay, I'm, I'm just below that. I want to work hard. I really want to be successful. And we bring them up to that same level. And every year when I see those students walk across the stage, you know, it, it just, it touches my heart to be shaking hands of these students that four years ago were saying, I, I'm really, I really don't know what I want to do. And now they're walking out with this degree saying, I'm really excited about what I'm doing. What, what's the hot major these days? Uh, actually, we've, we've got them all over the place. The big one, our, our biggest major certainly is art. Um, you know, we have a lot of students in education. Our STEM programs are doing really well. We've got these pre-professional tracks in human services that are preparing students for medical schools. We've got partnership with LECOM, partnership with various other schools uh, in order to prepare these students for grad school to go and get their MD or their PhD or what, whatever they want. Uh, nursing is doing fantastic, over 95% pass rate on the NCLEX. Uh, so our, our, our programs are doing really well. The students are doing well. Business has 100% placement of its students many years running. Mm. Uh, and, and employers are coming to us saying, we want more, we want more people. And this is from across the university, not any one major. They're saying, we want, if we can get 10 more of that, wow. send them to us. Accounting and, and, yeah. and different everywhere. Of- Accounting, human services out of yeah. sociology, wow. uh, you know, cr- criminal justice, communication studies, uh, you know, out of the sciences or geosciences program. Hmm. These, 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 these graduates are doing wonderful things and their employers are coming back saying, give us more. Last question. Uh, anything happening at Perico Center anymore? Is that still in existence? We still, we still have programs at Perico. We're still, still moving forward with that. Okay. Uh, we made a commitment to offer that programming, and we're continuing to do that right now. Shuffling the deck a little bit as to mm-hmm. what we're offering based on what the students are telling us they want and based on the needs of the community. Uh, we always said we would use that to try to fill the gap for an associate degree, a low-cost associate degree for, for the community, and we're continuing to do that. We want to welcome to the microphone the president of Gannon University, uh, Dr. Keith Taylor. Welcome. Well, hello there. How, and so I, I, I warned uh, Dr. Taylor that he's dealing with two Gannon grads here in the room here. And so we, uh, we, we know, uh, you know, AJ's way. And we, you know, uh, of course, you know, Waldron Center wasn't built by the time I was there. But, uh, 
got to, I've, I've, I've since spent some time. What a great facility that is. And, you know, I haven't been in the new library yet. I guess it's pretty epic. Uh, well, if you haven't been there recently, there's lots of new buildings. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm, I'm used to hanging around my best crowd is the Gannon alums. And you just had one walk out. Scott Miller was just that's uh, right. on his way out. So. <laughs> Everybody that's anybody in Erie is again in grad. There you go. <laughs> See, it's, there you go. Well, let's get your origin story. Uh, uh, where'd you grow up? How did you get to Erie? Well, I'm not again in grad. There you go. <laughs> um, that's why I'm nobody. I uh, I grew up in Schenectady, so okay. I uh, the, the birthplace of not only me but also General Electric. General Electric, so, yeah. Yeah, grew up in Schenectady. Youngest of six. Mom was a middle school math teacher, and my dad built uh, and serviced fire trucks and crash trucks. And so, yeah, grew up in a big family with not a whole lot of money, but a whole lot of love and, you know, a, a commitment to making sure that uh, their children did good things and did the right things. So uh, not every college administrator starts as an administrator. What was your course of study? Like what, what was your kind of wheelhouse as you kind of came up? Yeah, I'm not uh, probably the typical college president. I started as a physical therapist. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Yeah. So wow. I was a PT and my story is actually I went in thinking that I was going to uh, teach a adjunct, teach a course with another uh, colleague. And in the middle of the interview, they asked me when I could uh, start. And I said, I don't know, when do classes start? And they said, no, 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 this is a full-time job. So I literally accidentally became a full-time faculty member wow. many, many years ago. So I'm in my 31st year in, in higher ed, but came through the faculty and was chair of a PT program and then dean and provost on the way through. Actually, I was going to say, as the provost. G Gannon, Gannon's PT program is pretty, pretty strong, pretty renowned. It sure is. And yeah. Our health professions are certainly um, one of our major strengths. And I would say probably, you know, when you look at the number of programs and the breadth of our programs, we're really uh, kind of the, the regional leader in that, that particular area. Yeah, it always has been too. I mm -hmm. I'll never forget taking you know gen ed courses with like a slew of uh, either PT or respiratory therapists or you know they 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 were always around. Now back in the twenties, thirties, and forties, Archbishop Gannon talked about Gannon being a college for the newspaper boys and the altar boys. You know back then it was actually uh, you know uh, an all men school. Now besides admitting women, what is the student profile of those who attend Gannon now? Well, certainly a couple, a couple things have changed in <laughs> yeah, the last right. 90 years, right. but, um, other than uh, adding women. So um, now there was a, a good decision in the 60s that we, uh, we certainly uh, brought women on campus, sure. went co-ed, uh, moved from Gannon College to Gannon University in 79. We merged with Villa Maria in 89, um, which really is a big part of the strength of the health professions and our nursing program. We have the Villa Maria School of Nursing. Um, so to today, I will say that instead of being all boys or all men, um, we are much more like private education, much more like higher education period that about two thirds of our students are uh, women. Two thirds. Uh, two thirds. Yep. Wow. Probably, yep. Um, and that's that's typical of uh, private higher education in, across wow. the U.S. Um, I our, wasn't aware of that, yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, which has got a, a whole variety of challenges yeah. um, relative to, you know, what, what are men doing um, out of high school? And, you know, more of them tend to go into other, you know, um, trades and, and those kinds of things. But certainly getting men into secondary ed and, or excuse me, post-secondary ed is uh, is a big thing for our, our nation. But so about a third of our students come from the Erie region, okay. about uh, two thirds of them come from uh, Pennsylvania. 
And then we have about 10% of our students, a little more than 10% of our students are from uh, other countries. So we have a, a very large uh, international global student population. And then we've got students from pretty much every state. And a bunch of things actually we've done in the last few years are um, making a big difference as far as uh, a more nationally uh, oriented institution. The um, Because uh, I guess it, the Erie uh, contingent is not as big as it maybe it used to be when it was the newspaper boys, right? Uh, I'm, uh, does the population decline of the community, uh, of the region, and the drop in high school students themselves have an impact on enrollment for you? You know, uh, population size, of course, uh, drives enrollment, but... Uh, it drives enrollment overall for all institutions. So yeah. we've actually seen a continued growth in our undergraduate enrollment this year. We had our biggest class. We had 762 freshmen this year. Wow. Um, and that compares to 637 last year. So we had a 20% increase this year. Uh, the last time we had over 700 freshmen, we were in college. Is so, that right? Uh, yep. Uh, 86, we had 700 and some. So 762 is a huge number for us. So really what happens is you become a little sharper in your recruitment, a little more uh, uh, diverse in how you go about recruiting students. So we're getting a, a bit of a bigger market share uh, mm -hmm. regionally. And we're going out and getting more students from other states. Uh, and we're doing that through a whole variety of not only recruitment programs, but um, things that uh, you may have seen. So we've seen a dramatic growth in our athletics programs. Okay. Um, you know, two good examples. We started um, uh, acrobatics and tumbling, and we just had the nationals here last year, and we started a competitive cheerleading uh, squads, three squads actually. And between the two of them, there's over 100 women there's as really? many women and some men um, on those squads as our entire football team. So um, I always joke when you walk across campus and there's some tiny little person from Arkansas, you know, they're, <laughs> they're probably here because for, for they're, cheer, they're huh? in cheer, they're in wow. tumbling acrobatics. So we've done quite a bit in the way of uh, enhancing uh, athletics, athletic programs. Um, we now have, you know, two squads in the wrestling team. We just started women's wrestling. Mm. Um, we've done quite a bit there, but we've also done a lot in other types of programs, travel programs, um, our, our alternative break service trips that are coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, all those things are ways to distinguish ourselves and to uh, show prospective students that there is a distinct type of experience that they're going to get when they come to Gannon. And all that leads to increased um, uh, new student enrollment and it also drives retention. So yeah. student success and retention has been another focus that we've made great strides in the last few years. Well, we had Bishop uh, Persico on. He, uh -huh. he mentioned that, uh, that Gannon is one of maybe a half a dozen diocesan-connected universities across the country. Uh, talk about the Catholic uh, uh, heritage and you know, the, the faith basis of the school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we're one of uh, nine diocesan universities. Is that what it is? And, okay. and you, would, you would recognize, you know, a Seton Hill yeah. or a St. Thomas out of Minnesota, um, that um, our tradition is not out of a charism, you know, so it's not a Benedictine, Benedictine or Jesuit. Right. We, are, we were started by Archbishop Gannon, you know, so we are a diocesan university. Our Catholic identity is lived out in a, in a lot of ways, but it is more about how we live and than it is what we do in that we look at uh, the curriculum. So in the curriculum, there are theology and philosophy courses, and there is a connection to our Catholic intellectual tradition that really is infused across 
all academic programs. It doesn't matter what your major is. It's also about um, our commitment to the students really trying to be the best version of themselves and to, we talk about transforming lives. Our purpose as a university is to transform lives. Mm. And so Gannon having a purpose of transforming lives is about transforming lives of the students. But in that process, the employees should be transformed. We should be going through this process together. And I always say that if we transform the students' lives in our lives and that's where it stops, we failed as a university. Yeah. That would be a big deal, but we should be about going outside of the university and transforming our communities, transforming the Erie community, transforming the communities that we travel to, transforming the communities where our alumni go and live and work and play. So we're, we're really, to me, our, our fundamental um, purpose as an institution is to transform lives. And from a Catholic perspective, we certainly educate and we have a Catholic lens but we've been driving very much an interfaith dialogue on mm-hmm. campus. As a matter of fact, we had Ibu Patel here a couple of years ago, who is the um, director of the Interfaith Youth Corps. He's actually going to come back this uh, coming fall. So we've started a Gannon Reads program. So the freshmen all have one book that they uh, read together through uh, the fall semester. Well, we're going to read Ibu Patel's one of his books next fall, and he's going to come back. Um, and I think a telling. Uh, story about how you know you're doing some things right. Uh, Ibu Patel was here. It was hard to get him here the first time. I just saw him in January at a conference and he's coming back this fall. We made a phone call. He didn't ask anybody. He just said yes on the phone because he loved the experience that he had again. And he saw our commitment through our West Bayfront, through Erie Gaines, out into the community. He realizes that our heart is with those that we serve. And that we know that our lives are really about serving others. And that brings him, you know, his interest in coming back to be part of that community. I was going to say that transformation of lives really is uh, exemplified through your, you know, all in-ness on the West Bayfront, on Erie Gaines. I mean, it's it's evident. I mean, mean, you have neighborhoods that would not be the same without Gannon's investment. And the investment of your students and faculty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, investment in... In money to some degree, but much more in the time and energy. Um, the We started Erie Gaines probably about a decade ago, and that was in, uh, we do lots of good things, you know, but at the end of the day, people were saying, and we were asking ourselves, 10 years from now, will Erie be a better place because we're here? And how will you know? So Erie Gaines started with the effort to try and rally our research and our service and our service learning and bringing it all down into our neighborhoods so that we could have an impact and we could measure that impact and we can show the change in education and in healthcare and in the community and the neighborhoods. So that really led to a major push that is integrated into the curriculum of students going out, whether it's to the MLK center or strong Vincent middle school or working in, you know, the community doing um, health uh, community uh, outreach. Um, And that has now evolved into uh, our West Bayfront being the arm of the university and the arm of neighborhood revitalization. That is the physical revitalization. So how are we going to deal with blight? It's one thing to, you know, have great programs that were running in strong Vincent middle school, prior high school of go college and, mm-hmm. and mentoring and tutoring. But when the students go home and their neighborhood is a mess and their home is a mess and they can't study and they can't really uh, focus on life and enjoy life, 
there's more that needs to be done. So, you know, we're looking at hardscape of blighted properties, of streetscaping, sidewalks, lighting, um, security cameras. Um, how do we rent, renovate and help owners, um, homeowners, uh, renovate their homes and make sure that we start lifting up the community? You know, there's been a, um, a question early on about our West Bayfront and are we trying to gentrify the mm-hmm. neighborhoods? Well, first of all, you've got a, a, an issue of poverty that is at a, a terrible scale across you know, the city, but certainly down in those, our West Bayfront neighborhoods. Our desire is not to move anyone out. Our desire is to elevate yeah. the lives and elevate the environment for the people that live there. We would love to bring more people down there to live, but not to replace the ones that are there. We love our neighbors. You yeah. know, we're part of that community and we always have been and always will be. All right, so uh, we talked about the renewal of the Urban Core. Really amazing, some of the some of the work that Gannon is doing. Um, talk about IHAC. What is IHAC? Yeah, well, the 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 neighborhood revitalization is one arm. The other part is economic development. Absolutely, you know, and and part of economic development is workforce development, um, and part of that is our contributions into the Erie Downtown Development Corporation. So we've been. Deep in that, I'm on the executive committee of the EDDC and really excited about what can be and, and is happening there. Um, we, you may know, we own the each of the Verizon buildings. So, the, Did you own both of them originally? No. So we, we bought the one and converted that into the Morosky Academic Center, mm-hmm. which is where all of our health professions and the patient simulation center, we, cert- we literally have a world-class 6,000 square foot patient simulation center in there that's... Nothing like uh, people have seen, and none none other in the in the region. The building right next door we purchased about three years ago because we were renovating the library. And you mentioned earlier, you know, the library is brand new; would never recognize it from the inside. Really stunning. But to be able to renovate the library, we need to move the library out. So we purchased the tower, the Verizon Tower, yeah. which was a six-story tower, now called Night Tower. We moved the library over there renovated the library and now move the library and books and, and things back. So we have a building that's vacant that was a call center. Um, so it's only- What did that look like? Was it just big bullpens every floor? It's or? just wide open. Yeah. Every floor is wide open. Okay. You know, there's some small rooms, yeah. but by and large, it's all wide open. And there's only windows on one side, which people have said, geez, you know, what are you going to put in there with no windows? Well, what better thing to put in there than a data center, than uh, hacking labs, things that- um, not only the security is uh, key, but also as a data center uh, prior, it has two um, generators. So backup generators that will power both of those buildings. If power goes down, it's got massive power going in. It's got huge data going in. So it's the perfect location to wow. build out what will be, it's a six-story building. So the first floor is a lobby. The second floor will be a hacking lab and a cybersecurity uh, lab, um, a cyber defense lab. Um, So the academics will go onto that second floor um, with some faculty offices and things. So the labs and things that are going to go into that, we're calling that IHAC, which is the Institute for Health and Cyber Knowledge. And, and of course, you had to find letters that made I have. <laughs> right, right. But it really was intentional in that we're connecting the new programs of cyber engineering and cybersecurity across the campus. 
One of those plays is to tie that in is into healthcare, um, as well as uh, the criminal justice uh, um, faculty. We're very much involved in the development okay. of this. But cyber engineering is really the hardware and software end. It's how do you design hardware systems? How do you design software systems that are harder to hack? So we're really coming at this with the first in the region cyber engineering program, and there's only a handful in the entire country of cyber right? engineering programs. So cyber engineering is coming out of um, electrical engineering, computer software, embedded software, coming out to, out of the uh, um, the uh, computer information systems. So the the computer science folks are where the academic programs, they will be ABET accredited, fully accredited engineering programs. Yeah. Um, and so this facility will house that uh, those new labs. But what's exciting is that there's four more floors. Yeah. So <laughs> Good, the, yeah, the top growth. floor wow. of that is uh, going to be a tier four data center. Um, so it will be a secure data center that will not only bring in business into the region, um, but we'll also let our students have real life access to developing, running, managing a data center. So the the faculty and students are doing the same kinds of things that you just explained uh, and talked about that our students in com arts are in health yeah, professions. Yeah, yeah. They'll be able to be working live with real live issues um, in that facility. The other two floors are intended to be uh, commercial real estate. So bring in businesses that will benefit from the data center and benefit from working with students in a hacking lab and uh, and a, uh, cyber defense labs. The other floor is intended to be the transition. So you have an academic uh, environment, you've got a business environment. How do we have a commons, a common right. place where business and academics can come together and look at the internet of things. So if you want to design secure hardware, the reason why healthcare is in there is healthcare data and healthcare uh, systems obviously have security issues. In 2021, there will be three and a half million unfilled cybersecurity jobs and cyber engineering jobs, three and a half yeah. million. Wow. There, the the uh, expectation is that there will be a $6 trillion expense on cybersecurity in 2021. So how do we look at not only the security side and that, but the hardware? Yeah. So you're yeah. walking down the street and you've got a pacemaker. You can control the pacemaker off of your cell phone. Oh, my gosh. You'd prefer that the person walking next to you can't control <laughs> can't, your can't, pacemaker. Can't reach that. Yeah, we are so. almost out of yeah, time, sure. Dr. Taylor. G give us uh, the 30-second best uh, take for the value of a Gannon ed education. You know, Gannon does a great, great job in educating uh, humans and educating professionals. So our students graduate with, uh, we've got uh, well, well above the national average as far as retention rates, well above the national average as far as graduation rates. You come in, the uh, student debt is about $26,000, which is well below the national average. So to come in, have a four-year degree, come out with, you know, basically the cost of a car loan in debt with the expectation that you're going to earn probably a million dollars more uh, in your lifetime than you would have. We are uh, top ranked uh, relative to salary and pay scale, if that's important. Um, and it is to many people uh, coming out. So from the health profession success to engineering programs that are phenomenal to students coming out as great teachers, what we're trying to produce and what we're trying to create is, as I said before, we want, we want to transform lives. We want great human beings. We want people that are going to be good citizens, good global citizens, understand diversity, want to be 
inclusive and want to be part of a community that is more about love and more about uh, sharing and service than it is about their own personal uh, needs and desires. So, so now we want to talk to what all these people work really hard for, and that is for the education of students. So we invited four students from uh, both Shaney and, and my alma mater, Gannon University. So we want to welcome to the microphones Maria Hayes, David Long, Molly Cook, and Petra Shearer. And, um, uh, okay, let's get your hometown. Start with you, Maria. Where'd you grow up? And, uh, and I, I want to kind of find out who stayed in Erie and who came from out of town. Um, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, Maria. A little bit outside the city. Uh, you want to give a shout out to your high school? Uh, Shaler Area High School. Shaler, all right. How about David? I'm from about an hour outside of the Chicago area in a oh. town called DeKalb, Illinois. I know DeKalb. Um, yes, yeah. sir. Northern Illinois Huskies. That's where I'm from. Northern Illinois Huskies. All right. How about you, Molly? I'm from Edinburgh, so I went to General McLean. The Lancers. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm from Erie as well, but I grew up in uh, Mill Creek, but I went to Villa Maria Academy, so okay. shout out to them. Beautiful. <laughs> all right. Great to have you all here. So um, so we have uh, 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 two, from out, uh, two from local, two from out of town. Um, so what is it like? I, I really want to ask uh, you two, um, uh, Maria and David, what's it like to go to college here in Erie from out of town? Yeah, from that kind of like that overall view. I mean, what... What said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pick Ian and, and pick Erie. I think for me, Erie kind of has this big city feel and a small town kind of like community. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's much like my hometown. DeKalb's pretty big, but it's really still got that. Like everyone kind of knows each other. We know what's going on feeling. Um, so for me, when I came on campus immediately, I was welcome and just kind of taken into the Gannon community. Um, and I've loved it ever since then. And I like Erie. It's big enough where I feel like everything's spaced out, but yeah. small enough that I feel comfortable where I'm at. What do you think, Maria? Um, well, Pittsburgh's not too far from here, but I, when I was a senior in high school, I really didn't think much about staying close to home or out of town. I just knew that I wanted to go to school for occupational therapy, and mm. Gannon's five-year master's program was very appealing to me, so I decided to apply here and accept before even stepping foot on campus wow yeah my first time on campus and in erie was freshman orientation so. good, good for you yeah. I mean, it, it, well the power of the, of the program t- definitely dictated that so let's switch this to molly and pedra uh you know you guys stayed mm-hmm. home and uh, uh are, are either of you living on campus i live on campus okay. i commute uh, you commute from uh, the borough, okay? Yeah. Um, so, so uh, same question though. What's it like to stay home, knowing that you're getting a good education here at home? I, I get to at least go home and be with family as often as I want because mm-hmm. I still live there. But I don't have to really worry about not being able to go home on the short breaks. Mm-hmm. I can still. Mm-hmm have my own space whenever I want. I don't have to worry about a roommate being a commuter and from around here. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Yeah, for me, I really I really struggled with where I wanted to go because part of me wanted to stay home and be close with my family and part of me wanted to experience new things, maybe go to a different city. 
So I thought it was kind of the best of both worlds if I could live on campus. And then I was away from Mill Creek, which was a suburb kind of. And then you come to Erie and it's the city feeling of it. And I thought I could make more friends that way. But I can also just stop at home on random Saturdays or something like that and like eat dinner with my family and things like that. So I really loved that like best of both kind of thing that Gannon offers me. We'll stay with you, Patriot. Talk about um, what made you choose Gannon as far I mean as far as education goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an awesome opportunity through um, Villa. Actually, we were able to take classes at the Gannon. Dual enrollment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's I huge. so I did that starting my junior year of high school. Actually, so I was just super comfortable with the professors and with the academic buildings, and I knew what the classes would be like, and I knew some classmates that were coming to Gannon as well. But Gannon is also Big enough where I would meet new people as well. So I think it was just all these combinations of things together and just very comfortable feeling that I was ready to stay home and yeah. ready to pursue Gannon. So uh, Go with that, Molly. As far as choose, choosing Gannon and Erie, um, you know, uh, educationally, what, mm-hmm. what, what was the important marker for you? I... I decided on Gannon in fourth grade after seeing an ad. <laughs> I saw it on TV, and I went, Mom, I'm going to Gannon. And she's like, if you can pay for it, and I the, can pay the, for it. You know, it. the marketing department's on yeah. the other side of the of the wall there, so they were really happy yeah. about that yeah. comment, right? <laughs> so excited. <laughs> um, but I like the private schoolness because okay. I can walk to Edinburgh University, but it's so big and vast where I love how condensed and particular Gannon can be because there's less of us and they can be focused for us and I'm I like that individual I mean and, and your lifestyle is that you drive up or you take you don't take the bus right no you, I drive you drive up uh, park downtown and you go to yeah. class right yeah okay. um I was a commuter too and mm-hmm. so what is that like uh, f- uh, these days, because mm-hmm. back in the day, again, we're talking 35 years ago, mind you, but we had the scrounge, which was like yeah. a horrible, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was it was fine, yeah. a horrible name for a, a commuter lounge, but yeah. uh, it was it was it was hard for me to attach mm-hmm. to uh, to college life as a commuter. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, things are much more enlightened yeah. these days. Tell me about your commuter experience. Well, I started going to the commuter corner, which is now a really nice little lounge where a lot more people can fit. I was told about how it used to be, and I was like, (laughs) oh, no. Um, But I branched out, and I became part of WERG and the theater, so I had new hangout spots. I think for commuters, as long as you try to get involved in some activity or organization, it's not going to be hard at all to connect it does get a little bad when I have to drive home at 11 o'clock at night, right. but it's not. I enjoy being able to go home. And the parking garage is connected to the communications building, so it's great. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, you know, it, as long as you get attached, and it really it's for all four of you and every student, uh, because you could be you could be a um, living in the dorm, and if you don't uh, embrace the life, of being a college student, mm-hmm. you you could really suffer, can't you? Mm-hmm. Suffer in loneliness. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, David, again, you're you're, you're from a smallish town, not too not, not too small, but um, you know, but in the in the in the shadow of the large city. Uh, what again? When you you thought Erie was a a place that was welcoming to you, what about your education again? What are you taking, and what uh, 
What drew you to Gannon for that? Well, I'm actually a criminal justice major okay. with a minor in digital graphics. Uh, and originally, I was recruited to Gannon as an athlete. So okay. I came to Gannon, introduced to the cheerleading program that Dr. Taylor previously spoke about. Um, and I came here, we got to meet the coaches, the team. Um, and then I was sold almost instantaneously upon meeting the criminal justice professors like mm. Dr. Clark, Jason Wick, Dr. Julia Mack, um, because those people are truly power players in their field. They've accomplished some amazing things and to oh, be yeah. able to learn and practice and put all those things into action real time in these four years is amazing. Uh, I have a sister who's currently a junior in college as well and she's also studying criminal justice and it's interesting because we're both obtaining criminal justice degrees but the way she's going about it and the way that I'm going about it are entirely two different aspects um, and I very much value the Gannon educational experience that I'm getting. Um, what, what, what's your outcome? What are you looking to do with uh, criminal justice you think? I'd like to go to law school. Oh, okay. Yes very sir. Good. I was going to say I mean you're learning under the pizza bomber uh, detective. Yeah. I, didn't, yeah, right. I didn't know if you want to be an investigator yeah. or something. Yeah, you know? it's something you know, the pizza bomber <laughs> phenomenal case. I've read that book through oh my and through. God. <laughs> Um, uh, Maria, talk about, uh, you know, what drew, well, you mentioned the five-year degree, like that basically, that sold you just the, the base on the occupational therapy. Um, uh, you know, talk about, uh, how did you find out about that? Um, well, my high school had a bunch of requirements for us throughout our experiences throughout high school. And one of the requirements was for us to attend a job fair. Okay. And I remember meeting i remember being at the gannon table and really enjoying my conversation with the workers there um i don't remember exactly who they were mm -hmm. but um i remember the feeling and so leaving their table with a whole packet about occupational therapy um i went home later that day and i laid everything out in front of me and that was just it just was in front of me because mm -hmm. I wanted to go there yeah. just by meeting two people. Wow. And so um, I applied and I got accepted before I'd even heard back from my other options. And I immediately accepted and came to orientation my freshman year, met a ton of people. Um, I was very reserved in high school. I didn't really talk much, wasn't really that outspoken. But when I came to freshman orientation there was like immediately a change in me and I just was making friends with everyone I encountered and it was who I wanted to be all throughout high school but finally like had the space to be that person if that makes sense that it sure does and we're gonna we're gonna uh, take a break here we're talking to students uh, from Gannon University uh, again uh, uh, we are a uh, you know, part of the product of, of what we do here in Erie, Pennsylvania, is we grow students up and and uh, educate them. And so these uh, young men and women represent, um, you know, uh, not only the future of our society, but also, you know, a very, very important part of who we are as a community. We have got a full house. We have Maria Hayes, David Long, Molly Cook, and Petra Shear, and they are uh, Gannon University students. Two are from out of town. Two are from Erie County. And uh, talk about life as a college student these days. Again, um, you know, this is, uh, like I said before the break, this is a very, very important uh, part of our community. You know, uh, when you talk to um, economic development people, you know, when they talk about, you know, what what is Erie holding its hat on? 
it, they talk about the meds and eds. So the meds are the hospitals and the eds are the universities. And again, they're super important employers and economic drivers. So we, you would think that the community should have something there for students to be able to have a high quality of life mm-hmm. when they come to Erie. So what's it like? Tell me about your y'all's life. We'll start with you, Maria. Uh, I mean, are you are you finding this a fun place to live? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, just being a student at Gannon itself is such an incredible experience. And there are so many opportunities within the school to get involved in. Um, my, I'm a fifth year senior and the past five years of my life would have been so boring had I not gotten involved in the Gannon campus. I mean, mm-hmm. my sophomore year, I was a resident assistant. Um, I also okay. joined a sorority. And then from there, I got involved in a lot more things. I've written for the newspaper. And um, if it weren't for being able to step out of my comfort zone and get involved and meet new people, it would probably have been a very different experience. But I think just being surrounded by so many like-minded people and people that encourage you to continue to grow as a person and are fun to spend time with and make your experience enjoyable, it's really easy to enjoy yourself here. David, talk about the community assets. You know, I mean, the... Uh, the beach, the, you know, the downtown itself, uh, the mall. I mean, what what do you do for fun uh, as a, you know, uh, off campus, on campus? What, what you know? Um, so typically, much like Maria said, the university does a really good job of providing opportunities for students to do things. So we've got APB Activities Programming Board, which mm-hmm. is solely sure. dedicated to providing things for students here on mm-hmm. campus. Um, of course, me and my friends and I, we loved going to the mall. I personally love them all i like going to them all um but like i typically am also a part of greek life student government association i'm a resident assistant this year so i've been able to get engaged in a couple different clubs and organizations which primarily take up most of my time but i absolutely love working in those organizations and those clubs so like it's not really taking up my time because do you feel that the vibe there though uh i mean being on an urban campus like you are i mean I mean, I mean, is that a? I mean, that that's that's that has an appeal in and of itself for certain people. Absolutely. Are you digging that vibe? Yeah. So, sorry. No, Go ahead, David. Um, I I think one of the coolest things is like, if to pull an example out of my head is like, I just had the opportunity to work with Judge Drusilla as his intern. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, and that opportunity is was only available because of the location of the courthouse and the sure, location yeah. of where our school is. Um, so, like, it's just been really cool to kind of, like, integrate with the different societies. With, with, with the, yeah, with, with the the, being in the community there. Let's talk about uh, uh, Molly as a commuter. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what you know, you're able to go home. Yeah. Um, so, is the fun stuff happen uh, in the borough or? Uh, <laughs> anyone from Edinburgh be like, the fun stuff happened in Edinburgh? <laughs> what? Come on now. Um, I, I, most people, especially in, in Edinburgh High School, they will go to the Milk Creek Mall, and yeah. that's where we spend most of our time. Like, I've been to the beach more than I can count. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes people forget how much there is in Erie, especially we have like five theaters mm-hmm. that you can right. go to that are yeah. always doing something. Right. There's a lot of live theater. Yeah. A lot of live music, isn't there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can go to like 
any restaurant or bar and there's probably a late night somebody doing comedy doing music and are you finding that too Petra you know as far as you know um you're able to kind of leverage your knowledge of the community because I mean you obviously have friends that live on campus um Mm -hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, hey, let me let's let's go this yeah. place or that place, right? I'm always the the pinpoint person of Petra. What should we do like this you're weekend? The cr- I'm you're like, the cruise director. Yeah, I know. Okay. I'm always like, I don't know. What do you guys want to do? So, yeah, one of our favorite things is like when the weather's nice, we'll go to Presque Isle. Mm-hmm. We love going to Sarah's and like walking on the beach. And even when the weather was cold and there it was like, it was kind of cool to see the frozen lake and things like that. And um, yeah, like Molly said, I'm really involved with theater as well, and like I love the arts, and I'll always encourage my friends to go see plays or things like that, and like celebrate Erie is so awesome, right? Yeah. When we come back from yeah. from summer and just to kick it off with all that, so I, yeah, I think there's so much that people underestimate about Erie. I want I want to ask you uh, something because obviously you guys have good heads on your shoulders. Um, you you know you have a game plan. But talk about your peers that might enter university without a good game plan that end up changing majors or worse yet, drop out, a lot of debt and no degree. Do you, Have you seen that in some of your peers? And, you know, what's your take on that? Anyone want to jump in on that? I can, ju- I can jump in on that. Yeah. Um, I am kind of a special case because as I've previously mentioned, I came here with a very solid game plan, yeah. five-year master's OT, but I'm sitting here as a fifth-year English major and I've changed my major twice. Okay. So if you come into college without, and this goes for any school, Mm -hmm. but especially Gannon, if you come in without a game plan, it's still such an experience and you learn so much about yourself if only you put yourself out there and allow yourself to embrace new opportunities because when I came in, I thought I'd be the best OT and I'd be yeah. so good at it, but I took science courses, I struggled. I watched my classmates loving every aspect of the profession and I was just coming up short. And so had it not been for my sorority sisters at the time, they were able to be there for me. A lot of them had also changed their majors and told me like, it's not the end of the world. I had this very... I don't know. I just had this idea of changing your major as being Mm -hmm. like such a drastic change. And like I came here for OT, like it'd be crazy for me to waste the past. I was it was two years that I was in OT. And after two years of doing that, why would I change to something else? Like I could just stick it through. But because of the people around me and the mentors I had in the staff and faculty at Mm -hmm. Gannon, Um, I decided to make the change to English and secondary education. And then after a year of education, I decided to drop that and just stick with English. Mm -hmm. And I still have friends from each of those majors and they're all very good at what they do. And I have friends within my own major that encourage me and push me to do better, as well as a lot of like advisors and people at Gannon just constantly rooting for you and you feel that. So Mm -hmm. I don't think not having a game plan is the worst thing. Um, You could kind of find your way. Yeah. Yeah. I've got less than a minute now, so I want to go down the pike here. And where do you see yourself in five years, in 10 seconds each? Petra. Graduate school for acting. Okay. um, uh, Molly. Graduate school for scenic design. Uh, David. Uh, Just completed law school and finding a job. (laughs) And and, uh, Maria. 
Um, employed. <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer. Hey, we are so grateful to our friends from here from Gannon. We have some upperclassmen that have come out with one sophomore. Mm-hmm. We, we we love that, Petra. Um, and uh, we're, we just appreciate you taking the time out to kind of give us a little glimpse of, mm-hmm. you know, this really, really important part of, of, of Erie life. Mm-hmm. And that is students who are saying, you know what, I'm going to come to Erie, Pennsylvania and get uh, an education and learn something and uh, and grow and maybe fall in love with Erie because you know we've we've had that happen many many times as far as you know people that get here and they want to stay here because of all the opportunities. 